This is the Marsh and Matt Show with Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan. All right, it's time for episode two of the Marsh and Matt Show. Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan here with you, and we are guest-free this week. You may think that's good. You may think that's bad. You get to hear more from us. So uh, we will keep it short this week, about a 30-minute episode. We hope you enjoyed Lavelle Neal the third uh, last week. And thank you again to uh, Lavelle for being our first guest. As he said on Twitter, he's the guinea pig. But uh, he, he was a very good guinea pig uh, for us. He, he did a great job. So uh, we'll be uh, introducing a new guest next week. We'll see who we get for that. But for now, uh, Matt, we're going to get into right away uh, the Vikings because uh, it's finally here. Opening night. Uh, we're recording this on a Thursday. We'll post this before the Vikings first game on Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals on the road. And uh, football is is finally back. And uh, I think everybody's pumped up to see uh, the improvement, hopefully, in this in this Vikings team. But whenever you come off a bad year, you're kind of chomping at the bit to get back. And uh, I think I think Mike Zimmer is eager to see what uh, what his team has in store for this season. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, we always when we were in the midst of the the height of covid, you know, there are you can always come up with reasons uh, legitimate in some cases, maybe not legitimate in other cases, why last season didn't go the way you wanted to, you know, you didn't have the fans uh, at the level you did. Uh, You had people that would be out for COVID, you know, it just, you didn't get the same preparation. And so it's going to be fascinating to see, you know, how they do this year. There really are, there's no room for excuses. Uh, this is the put up or shut up year after missing the playoffs, uh, after uh, having numerous opportunities to work Kirk into the offense and figure out how you're going to work um, the plays uh, through uh, the offense, you know, improving the offensive line and getting Delvin healthy and having multiple talented wide receivers. This is the year they have to figure it out. It is. And uh, they've, they had, a big injury uh, over the course of the last uh, couple of weeks, Irv Smith Jr., which was really um, a random injury in the sense that he played in the, in the Kansas City game a couple of drives and looked very good, uh, fast, caught the ball well in that game, and did an interview with Ben Lieber after the game and was moving around just fine. And then apparently tore his meniscus at some point, which from people I know um, can, can happen – randomly i mean it can happen it it didn't necessarily happen in the game Uh, because people were saying i saw vikings reporters tweeting out you know we we watched back the whole game and we couldn't find where it happened we don't really know where it happened but the the unfortunate thing is irv smith jr is likely done for the season so that's one of my big questions early on and uh you know i think there were differing opinions about how involved he was going to be because again we talked about this on our first episode, the Vikings don't really use the tight end position that much, at least in Gary Kubiak's offense. Now, in Clint Kubiak's, could it be different? Sure. But they used three wide receiver sets, the fewest out of any team in the league last year. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how they change without Irv Smith Jr., who was going to be a a big part of their offense, not just, I mean, people focus on the receiving because he's second round tight end. He's coming into his own, had a great training camp, but 
in the Vikings offense, you have to be able to block and Irv Smith Jr. is their best blocking tight end. So now you bring in Chris Herndon from the Jets. You have Tyler Conklin, who looks like he's on track to play this week against Cincinnati. And to me, both of them are going to be utilized. Um, but, and they have Brandon Dillon too, who's an undrafted guy who they like who's going to be the best blocker out of those three guys. And that's really going to be the guy who plays the most, but they, they use a lot of two tight end sets. Will they kind of back away from that go more three wide now that they have DD Westbrook um, who's didn't play the entire preseason, barely practiced, but looks to be on the field uh, in Cincinnati. It's going to be interesting to see. I think I, I, I went into the preseason a little more concerned about the defense because of how bad they were last year. But after seeing, you know, all the all the money they put into that defense, and you have Daniil coming back, and Everson's back, and Barr, and Kendricks, you know, they and Tomlinson and Pierce in the middle, they have a brand new D line. I'm kind of feeling pretty good about the defense, and offensively with a brand new play caller, brand new O line coach, and now one of your top weapons out in Irv Smith Jr. How will that offense start out? Because they started out slow last year. And, and they, they can't afford that as much this year. They certainly did. Uh, and it put them in a hole that they couldn't get out of. Now, I got to say, if at the end of this season, if we're looking back and saying, you know, if only Irv Smith had been healthy, um, it, that's going to be really, we're going to have a bad season. And it's going to be very much a revisionist history because we've been hearing about how Irv Smith was going to be this great contributor you know, for multiple seasons now. I agree with you on the blocking piece of it. It is a loss there, especially with all the changes along the offensive line. Uh, you know, having Kyle Rudolph leave, uh, losing that leadership and everything he had done to get better as a, a tight end. But this is why, you know, as you know, I was a big advocate for bringing in Larry Fitzgerald if we could uh, swing that, even though he was, you know, teetering on retiring or returning or what, what he's still, it's unclear if he's made up his mind. But I, while they don't run a lot of three wide receiver sets, I think this is the depth concern here is why you really need a proven third wide receiver. Someone, now that you're losing, you lost Kyle Rudolph's big hands, you're losing supposedly Irv Smith and his uh, emergence that we are finally going to see uh, as a receiver. If people are really, if you get in those long, you know, third and seven, third and eight, and people are covering Jefferson and they're covering Thielen, Who's the person who's going to step up and make a play to extend those drives? Cause it's just, there've been too many instances over the last couple of years where they get to third and long and they can't extend that drive. Um, and, and I think that that's really been the difference between them uh, being a solid team and then being a great team. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's true. And we'll see. Uh, you mentioned Fitzgerald. He's still out there. Um it, I would love we'll it. We'll see. I mean, I, I think after week one, if they sign a guy, the contract's not guaranteed. So maybe teams are waiting on that. Uh, he hasn't retired, but he is 38 years old too. So retirement can come anytime when you're, when you're at that age, but I think he still has a, a year or two left in him and he keeps himself in, in very good shape. Uh, he, he's kind of like the Nelson Cruz of the, of the NFL. He, he, he's sure. in very, very good shape and, 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 you know, very diligent about his off season workout. So I, I guess, I guess we'll see, we'll see there. Um, we kind of, we kind of went over some strengths and, and weaknesses. 
Um, what are you most, Marshall, let me ask, what are you most concerned about with the Vikings this year? I mean, with that, could prevent them from having, you know, that breakthrough season that I know that you are predicting and hoping for. Yeah. I went on Twitter today. Um, seen it, it seems to be the, the in vogue thing to go on with some predictions. I didn't do all my division predictions, but uh, I did say the Vikings would be 11 and six minimum um, because I, I think, I think their top end talent is, is, you know, just right there with most teams in the NFL maybe outside of Kansas city and, and Tampa Bay. Um, but, and I also think they, they can start out really well. The, the schedule sets up, if they're able to take care of business in these first two road games, uh, the schedule sets up nicely before the week seven bye. but uh, what, what could derail it? I mean, I think you'd have to say um, offensive line would be my yeah. biggest concern. Um because we don't really now it is good. Christian Derrissaw is back in practice this week, um, which is very, very, a very good sign, but he has barely practiced. I think he's had like two or three padded practices ever in his NFL career. That includes OTAs. That includes minicamp. He was, he missed a lot of time. So he's behind the eight ball. So my question is, can Rashad Hill hold up against some of the top pass rushers that he's, inevitably going to face on that left side can he hold up for four five six games maybe he has to play all the way until the bye um so how when will christian derisaw enter into that mix and then i think you have a lot of unproven's they just re-signed brian o'neill the one of the best right tackles in the nfl very good uh job by the vikings to get that done on the eve of the season that's not a distraction anymore he's locked in um, and now you hope Derisaw locks down that left side and you can really have two nice bookends there. But Garrett Bradbury in year three, it's a huge year for Garrett Bradbury. He's had his ups and downs. He's been a solid run blocker, but he's a little undersized and he's gotten pushed around, especially as the season goes along. Um, and then you have Ole Udo, who started zero NFL games, had a very nice training camp, really took that right, job, right guard job immediately. And then you have Ezra Cleveland, we haven't heard a lot from in the preseason, which is probably good for an offensive lineman. So um, I think they have a chance to be a really good O-line, but, but there's a lot of questions and it's not a group that's played together a lot with the exception of Bradbury and O'Neal. You have a new left tackle and a new left guard who moved over from the right side, and then you have a new right guard. So uh, the continuity of that offensive line, especially pass protection, I think Dalvin, Dalvin can run behind any line. Um, That's also but, true. I think, but the pass protection when they are in obvious passing, this is what hurt them last year. When and people put a lot of this on Kirk, and I'm not saying Kirk deserves no blame, but they they would be in a situation where they're down four with a minute twenty to go, one timeout, and you have to go the length of the field and you get either a field goal or a touchdown. There's such a play action heavy offense when that's not an option and they just have to go straight drop back. That's when an O-line can get exposed. Uh, they don't have cook to slow down that pass rush in obvious passing situations. And a lot of times Kirk had no time, no time. So that, totally that, agree. that, that that's was, what can derail the season in my opinion. I think that there's no doubt there are, as you just laid out, lots of question marks still about the O-line. I, 
I think one positive is the upside of the O-line is much greater than it has been in the past. And the depth seems to be better than it has in the past. You know, bringing in someone like Mason Cole from Arizona via that trade, you're not going to have Trusamia, you know, uh, playing much time. You, you, you seem to, you know, even though you lost the reef and, and his thoroughly average, uh, you know, performance <laughs> and leadership. You know my opinion on Riley Reef, uh, but the leadership doesn't. Oh, you prefer I, Rashad Hill on the left side? Yeah, well, uh, no, not necessarily. But no, still, you don't. <laughs> it the depth is better and the upside is better. Um, you know, would we have liked them to do more? Yes. Would you like to have more proven top ten talent? Yes. You know, I think um, you know, getting O'Neill's contract taken care of was definitely a positive, and having certainty there. And, and I do think they can be better. The weakness I'm most concerned about, and this is going to be PTSD for a lot of Vikings fans, is special teams. Um, the uncertainty with, you know, the punting situation, not a lot of confidence in the kicking situation. We've never had really anything on the punt return side and the kick return side. I know supposedly some drafting has improved that with Smith-Marset, but we heard that before about other folks that haven't panned out. It just they have a tendency in, in close games uh, to have a lot of close games first off. And when they do have close games, I'm not sure we can count on the special teams to make the plays that you need with that, that veteran proven experience of executing uh, to win them those close games. And we, we've seen in multiple years now in the two out of the three years where they missed the playoffs, when Kirk has been the quarterback that, there were games left on the table that they should have won that were really close scoring. And that's the difference between making the playoffs and not. And I just don't trust the special teams right now to get them over the hump in those close games they, uh, in any reliable way. They had the worst starting field position in the NFL last year, the worst. So a lot, of, <laughs> that's another thing that you improve that, that helps both sides of the ball. Tremendous. No I mean, it, it, the offense was fourth in yards last year, and people, people, you know, gave this excuse: "Oh, they're always they're in garbage time all the time." Well, to your point, they played in a lot of close games. They didn't get blown out that much, um, and they weren't blowing teams out a lot. So, the garbage time thing, I don't think, is a real factor last year. I think they gained a lot of yards because they had to. They they were they were backed up all the time because of a horrendous defense last year and bad special teams. So I think, you know, I heard something really positive today. Uh, I was listening to uh, Paul Allen's interview with Mike Zimmer uh, that he does weekly. And Zim was saying, Zim took it right on the chin. He said, our special teams was bad last year. Um, the coach got fired, Marwan Malouf, and, and Ryan Fickens, now the special teams coordinator, another new guy. So, you know, that's something intriguing as well. He's been an assistant, but he hasn't been the head guy. But, you know, he, uh, Zimmer said they watch special teams film now as an entire team. They, they have made an adjustment just, just to place an emphasis on it. And, and I think Zim knows um, that even five, 10 yards difference is massive. Um, well, and to, starting and especially point, the way he likes to play, the way he likes yes, to your play, point, run when, the ball, control the clock back teams up when you can't, you know, even if you move, it's not a bad drive. You know, if you start at your own five and you're able to move the ball and flip the field, and then you get your defense to make a play. 
So think of uh, Mike's first play calling and how it, things are opened up defensively when yeah. you have a team pinned, uh, and they're pinned in, within their own five, within their own 10 versus starting at the 25 because your punter could actually execute and, and because you actually um, you know, you the tackles you needed to on special teams. I mean, he, uh, he'd be licking his chops uh, yeah. in those scenarios. And we just don't have enough of those. Um, and, you know, and how much more pressure does it put on the offense to execute um, and change the play calling if you can't rely on your field goal kicker for those questionable distance field goals or, or even, yeah. you know, reasonable ones? It really, um, it, it, they're nuances, but they're nuances that really matter. Well, Greg Joseph, Greg Joseph hasn't kicked in a game in a couple of years. Um, he has a strong leg. How accurate is it? We'll see. And it's kicking in the, he's had a good preseason, but kicking in the preseason and kicking when the lights are shining bright in the regular season is a different story. And, uh, and, and we'll see, we'll see how he does. I, I was kind of shocked that there wasn't a kicking competition. They did, they did get rid of Britton Colquitt. On about a week before the season, brought in the Steelers' uh, old punter, and he's also the holder too. Um, which you know, we'll see. We'll see uh, if that affects things. A new holder the week before the season is is interesting. Um, and and that battery, the long snapper and the holder and the kicker, we'll we'll see how how well they they get together. But yeah, Greg Joseph is is one thing. I want to ask you because you mentioned Zim's play calling in it, that got me excited. One thing I'm really excited about, and I'll ask you what you're most excited about with this team. And I would say two things for me. One, Justin Jefferson year two, I think will be possibly even better. I think that guy just, just works his butt off. Um, He was so good. And Thielen, you have to respect Thielen and Dalvin cook. And I think um, Jefferson is just going to, take it to another, another level, um, this year. But I think another thing I'm really excited about is Zim opening up the playbook a little bit defensively because they're going to be able to stop the run. The teams are not going to be able to run up the middle on the Vikings with Michael Pierce and Delvin Tomlinson. They are two of the best run stopping defensive tackles in the NFL. Pierce was the replacement for Linval Joseph. And they thought, a possible upgrade on Linval. Remember how important Linval Joseph was to Zim's defense. And if this defense stops the run, Zim is one of the best. He's probably the best defensive coordinator on third down. Even last year, they were top 10 in the league on third down. They just never got there. The teams were getting first downs on the ground on first and second down. And their third downs that they faced were, you know, third and shorts. But when this team gets, teams into third and medium third and long look out with Daniil you bring in Sheldon Richardson as a situational pass rusher you bring in Everson Griffin as a situational pass rusher you can rush Barr off the edge you can rush Harrison Mackenzie Alexander is a good blitzer they can come at you all kinds of different ways and Zimmer is going to confuse the hell out of opposing QBs I think when you get to third down and that I'm ecstatic to see that yeah the Offense played solidly last year. Um, you can argue about were the numbers inflated because they were playing from behind and getting in sh- shootouts. The defense was ob- obviously dreadful. The, the biggest improvement and what I'm most excited about is exactly as you said, the strength up the middle. You know, having Kendricks healthy, 
you know, having Harrison Smith locked in for a few more years and, and not having that distraction in the back of our mind. Um, you know, Anthony Harris needed to move on and, and, you know, having, um, uh, you know, additional depth there. Uh, and then the biggest thing is the defensive line. We know that we couldn't rush anyone last year. We couldn't get any pressure uh, when Yannick Ngakwe is still your leading, you know, sacker. Uh, it holds your lead in, in sacks and he's traded after what, five games. Uh, that, you know, is not good. Um, you know, so I think having that depth up the middle to stop the run, as you said, with Tomlinson and having uh, Richardson coming off the bench, uh, it just, and all the way back to safety with Harrison Smith, your, your stud, um, just gets you really excited about getting back to Mike Zimmer football and getting back to a defense that can keep us in games, regardless of how our offense is playing. Uh, and we didn't have that last year. And that, that just gives you so much more flexibility in ways to win a game that you don't have to just do it via a shootout every single time. Yeah. But I do, no, no doubt. I do want to, I, I do want to ask what your biggest X factor is, but I, and let me start by giving you mine. Uh, the, the key difference that's going to decide the success of this team. And, you know, I'm a big uh, Survivor fan and they in Survivor, they have uh, this idea of a goat and not like a Tom Brady is the goat, but the person that you just is never going to win. The person that uh, you just do barely enough to please, but you, you just know you can't that they've got no shot. I think Kirk Cousins is viewed as the goat of the NFL in the Survivor terminology. I think he is the guy that no one thinks can win. And what a terrible year and a half he's had. You had Adam Thielen, passive aggressive, you know, Minnesotan who is calling him out. You have Zimmer seeming to throw him under the bus for any, any time that he can. Even Rick Spielman, the GM who tied himself and gave him the guaranteed contract, decides to bring back the 33-year-old D-end who couldn't make a difference in Dallas and Detroit who trashed him on Twitter. No one seems to believe in Kirk. And if this was Tom Brady, he'd be deflating footballs and he would be yelling at people on the sideline. If it was Aaron Rodgers, I mean, the guy requested trade because they get rid of the fifth string wide receiver that he's buddies with. Get mad, Kirk. Get mad and, and, and decide you want to win. Because if, if you, you either do that and say, screw everyone else and you find a way to win and they could be a really, really good team or he's going to keep doing what he's been doing. And then I got to be honest, they're an eight, nine borderline playoff team, sneaks in, maybe could pull an upset, but they're not going to win a Super Bowl. That's my X factor. It's, well, it's hard not to, it's hard not to go with, with him. Um, I, I think, I think my X factor is health more than, a, more than a certain player, because as Zimmer even said, they're very top heavy. Um, you like the first, you know, 20, 30 guys on this team. But if you have to go much into the depth, I mean, if they lose Delvin Cook, bye-bye. <laughs> I mean, Alexander Madison's solid, but this offense kind of runs through. I, I would say probably Delvin Cook is the X factor. Then. If, you, if, you had to, if you had to point me to one player, um, yeah, Daniil, we talked about Last time, Daniil is so important on defense. He's probably their most important defender. Might be the best overall player on the team. Um, 
just from a pure skill standpoint. But if you lose Dalvin Cook, that affects Kirk. That affects Jefferson and Thielen. That affects everybody. This offense is different when he's on the field. He missed the game early in the season last year, and they got throttled by a horrible Atlanta Falcons team at home. That was horrible, embarrassing. Horrible team. And, and Kirk had no time. They couldn't establish any running game. There's no play action. When you're having a wide zone scheme that's very heavy play action, and it's not like San Francisco that rotate. We're very similar scheme to them, actually. But, but they don't – they rotate the running backs. They have, like, three or four guys who kind of rotate in there, and none of them are outstanding, but they're all solid. Well, that's not the case with the Vikings. They're heavy on Dalvin Cook. Should they limit his touches early a little bit? Maybe. Maybe maybe, maybe mix in Alexander Madison. When Kenny Wangu gets healthy after the first three games, he has to sit out the first threes on the, on the uh, pop list. But, um, or he's on the IR uh, for the first three. Intrigued to see what he can do. But Dalvin Cook to me the X factor on this team. Uh, just a few more, a few more minutes on the Vikings here. Um, I kind of gave you my, my season prediction for wins. I say 11. Um, I went down the schedule today and actually like said in my mind what they're going to win. I think they, they have to dominate at home. They have to do well at home. Uh, There's such a, when you get fans in that building, it's, it's just such a difference. Um, and they, they have to do well at home. They have a tough home schedule. Uh, but you, you, you have to, you have, I mean, when you're talking about on the road outside of the division games, you got to go to Baltimore. You've got to go, although they may not have any running backs left. Um, you, 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 you have to go to the chargers. You have to go, um, you know, early in the season, Arizona won't be an easy game, but that's a game probably you have to win. Um, so there, there's, there's tough games, San Francisco, uh, you're going yep. there. So, they got some tough road games, um, and to me, you have to go at least six and two at home, at least. And they have one more. They have eight games at home, nine on the road too. So that's a disadvantage. Um, so I think uh, eleven wins. Eleven wins for me. Um, you can go ahead with uh, and oh, you you had on here uh, most important game of the season. I think, man. I mean, it's hard not to say one of the division games. I, aside from the division games. Because uh, those are the most important, um, and and I would say for the division games at Chicago is is usually a very key. If they can win at Chicago, whenever they win at Chicago, they seem to have a pretty good year outside of last year. But they seem to be yeah. pretty good because it's hard to win in Chicago. But aside from that, I think the Cleveland game is very very key early in the season. That's a good litmus test. Um, you could be three and zero. Uh, if you win at Cincinnati and Arizona, you come home for your home opener. You don't, you can't lose your home opener. I mean, I know Seattle's really good, but you should be three and zero at that time. And that could be a huge early season test against a really, really good Cleveland Browns team with Kevin Stefanski coming back to Minnesota to face Zimmer. That'll be a huge, huge early matchup and a good test for where the, the team's at. Circle. December 26th on your calendar, listeners. That is when the LA Rams come to US Bank Stadium. Uh, this is the most important game outside of the division. Uh, this is the real, as you said, they have to be good at home. 
And this is the real barometer, in my opinion, of whether they're a solid borderline playoff team and whether they can actually make a run. If you can't beat L.A. at home against a quarterback now in Matt Stafford that you're very familiar with, that you've schemed against a number of times, if you can't win that game, even if you squeak into the playoffs, I don't think it really matters. Yeah, it's, it's great. We pat ourselves on the back. You know, you made the playoffs. Great. But I, I it, it seems like to me that we need to see something from the Vikings that says they can beat one of those other top NFC teams. And to me, at home against a L.A. Rams team a few years removed from going to a Super Bowl, still with the, the hot young coach and Sean McVay and a, supposedly fixing their quarterback issue. That's the game that will be the litmus test of whether this is a serious team or not. Uh, and as for, you know, and, and, you know, how does that offensive line hold up against Aaron Donald? That, that you know, obviously is always a big uh, X factor. Um, the, as for my prediction, I'm going to go nine and eight. I think they will squeak in as the seventh seed. Uh, I'd be very worried that the Chicago bears with Justin Fields starting after uh, he's gotten a few games under his belt, uh, upset us in that last game and knock us out. That just would be a very Vikings thing to do. Uh, and so I'm going to go with them that we're as the seventh seed, we would be playing what the two seed. I I'm going to go with the bucks as the two seed and that we will lose to Tom Brady in a close game on a missed field goal. Uh, it's going to be really similar to the Seattle game played inspired as an underdog as Zimmer likes, but the special teams, as I said, at the beginning, let us down and just to throw salt in that wound, the number one seed and the Super Bowl champions will be the dreaded green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, swan song over the Kansas city chiefs. That is my season prediction. I do. I do think, uh, Rogers will play with his hair on fire this season. I do. I do think, uh, He's he's motivated, but I do think I do think if things fall right, the Vikings can challenge them. I think I think the North. I don't think the number one seed is going to be. Um, you you had a very specific predictions, by the way, very nicely done. <laughs> um, uh, with, the Vikings, thought, with, the, with, with the Vikings being the tortured team that we are, you have to have it be specific because you know it's going to unravel in such a very painful, specific manner. So. Yeah, uh, that's just what my I, I gut think goes. I, I my gut says that they the North winner is not whether it's the Vikings or Packers. I don't think the Bears. I, I don't think with a rookie QB you're winning that division. Um, and the Lions might win four games. Um, so I just don't think the North winner is going to be the top seed. I, I think there's too many difficult games. The Packers have to go to Kansas City. <laughs> that's their that's their 17th game ours is in la against the chargers in a stadium that'll be half vikings fans um that's a lot easier than than kansas city and patrick mahomes um so there's sure. there's one advantage there and, and i think you know the whole north has tough tough schedule i mean you're talking about we have to play the afc north so you're playing the ravens you're playing the browns you're playing the steelers um and Cincinnati is the easier game there. Uh, and you're playing also the uh, 
the NFC the West. West, NFC yep. West, which might be the best division in football. So uh, a resurgent 49ers team, a very good Seattle team, the Rams with their defense um, and, and Matt Stafford now. So I, I don't think, uh, I don't think the North winner is going to be the number one seed. I, I think I'd be surprised if the Buccaneers aren't the, aren't the number one seed in that weak division. Um, and they, I think I heard today have like a bottom five strength of schedule, at least if you're comparing them to the playoff teams, they saw they're, they're, you know, at least according to last year's winning percentages, which can always change, you know, schedules look easy. They end up being difficult, but woo, that's not, that's not good for the NFL. Uh, if they have coming into the season, a, a bottom five strength of schedule. Um, I, I think it'd be tough for Tampa not to be the, the number one seed, but very excited to get things uh, started. And uh, the Vikings better whoop the Bengals ass uh, this, this weekend, because uh if they lose that game, it'll, it'll be a long <laughs> season if they don't. Yeah. They, they, I don't care if they win by one or 31, but you have to win that game. And hopefully in convincing fashion, week one's weird, but you have to win that game. No. But we will be uh, back next week to discuss the Viking Bengals game and much more. We'll have a new guest for you. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking about the one and oh, the Minnesota Vikings. That'll do it for this week. For Matt Galvin, I'm Marshall Kellner. Talk to you next time.